2: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan.
1: Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin washett and Nate Klaus as we are going to talk a little football here, but my gosh, it's segment one and we're going to talk some basketball. And, and that hasn't happened very often in uh, the three plus years we've been doing the live Husker Online Show. But before we get to the NCAA Tournament Basketball Talk with Robin Washet, I wanted to dis- discuss this with you guys. Um, I-, I wrote about it on Thursday in my 3 one column Uh, But the Omaha World Herald got some of the scanned ticket data from the university of the actual amount of fans that were coming into Memorial Stadium. Yes, all the tickets were sold, the sellout streak was intact. But when you look at the data that was released, you had several games where 10 to 13, maybe 14,000 fans that bought tickets were not showing up into Memorial Stadium. And the other thing that jumped out is how many people they actually count as workers, media, Uh, personnel I mean you're you're looking at upwards of 10 plus thousand people that go towards the count as workers and personnel that also kind of was a red flag to me is that really an accurate number Um, but you know lots of questions have been talked about the sellout streak over the years and I think those numbers really uh, gave me more.
3: Yeah I think there were a lot of people that just kind of wanted to dismiss the notion that Nebraska's sellout streak was actually in danger I mean because you see how many people turned up for the games and obviously um, you know, the, the the tickets were sold. And so the, it was never really like an issue of like that ever falling apart. But uh, these numbers kind of speak volumes as to kind of where things were headed. Um, if something drastic didn't happen, um, you know, apathy is a real thing, not only um, for all teams, all, for, for, for all sports, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's college sports, it's pro sports, getting people to make the effort and the financial commitment and travel and all that stuff to come to a game sit in the stands is becoming more and more difficult uh, with each passing year because I mean the, the prices only continue to go up um, you know for everything not only just tickets to the game but concessions for um, hotel costs for gas for, for everything or well, you play
1: on bad nights of the week sure eight o'clock tip-offs six o'clock tip-offs that are hard I mean there, there is no ideal 7 p.m. Wednesday night tip anymore even for like the basketball team Robin
3: yeah exactly it's not like the old days when you had kind of your your set schedules. That Wednesday, you could, Saturday. You could plan months in advance. Like you know, I know there's going to be a Saturday afternoon game. You can Come in town and check out a game, get dinner, and then go home at a reasonable time. I mean, so that's I mean, that's a lot of hurdles that teams are facing uh, to get butts in the seats. And so I think that, the, like like you mentioned in your column, Sean, you got to commend Bill Moose and the athletic department for being open and honest with what the situation actually was and kind of what they're facing now going forward under this new regime. Yeah. The the other thing is. And it's so convenient
4: and easy to get everything on TV in the comfort of your own home uh, that not only does the university have to come up with a way to, to make things more affordable but also to, to kind of enhance the the experience that you have on a game day to try and get people out of their you know out of their homes out of their their lazy boy recliner because it's so easy to get every single game on TV um, and you don't have to deal with lines you don't have to deal with people you don't have to deal with any of that and, and you know over Parking, the, 11 Am kicks. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, and over the years, we've you've kind of seen certain games where you know the, the stadium really hadn't you know filled up at all, um, and you especially saw that you know, heading down towards the end of last season where uh, there Ohio was,
1: State, Iowa.
4: Yeah, I mean, the, there was definitely some apathy going on, which is understandable considering the year that that uh, the football team had last year.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and you, you kind of even see it, Robin, with basketball because they have always. Been very transparent with the number of tickets sold and the scan tickets. And as Tim Miles's team is on this run, that scan ticket number every week is in the fifteen thousands mm-hmm. every week. And you know when they're struggling, that scan ticket tic- ticket number is more in the twelves, thirteens, elevens at this time of the year. Um, but you know, I, I think. People want to go to watch winning products. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Nebraska football has to win. They've got to get back. This year's not going to be a problem. They're going to get people in that stadium. Um, We don't even know, though, what the actual true scan number is. I, I think if you had to take an educated guess, the number for the 2016 Oregon game, what well, was just under eighty-one thousand, I believe, would probably be the capacity of the stadium. Um, you know, I would imagine next year we're going to see close to that most of these games because of just the renewed interest of Scott Frost.
3: Yeah, so I don't think that there's really any pressing issue with that, especially you know, like I said, that something needed to happen to kind of uh, quell that apathy and get excitement and you know, kind of reinvigorate the fan base. And so I think they've done that, clearly. Uh, That kind of goes without saying. And so, but it's kind of a long-term issue that's not going to go away just because you made a coaching staff. I mean, in Nebraska, like you said, the product um, needs to justify the commitment that fans have to make to come to games. And um, as, you know, the the generations continue to go, I mean, it's going to be harder and harder to do. So uh, the fan experience is something that this university is going to have to continue to look at to make games more comfortable, um, make them, you know, a better thing. where you're not just sitting on some cold wooden bleacher that was made for people who, uh, you know, fit the physical mold of, you know, 80 years ago. Um, I think that's that's changed the dynamics a little bit. And so...
1: 16-inch bench seating.
3: Exactly. So, I mean, there's lots of things that I think still need to happen. But the good news is that this athletic department and Bill Moose seem to be proactive in, you know, Acknowledging that you know changes need to be made and willing to make those types of my changes.
1: my good friend Jim Rose, the former Husker play-by-play guy, he made the joke when that stadium was built, people were eating bugs. <laughs> And he goes. It hasn't changed much since that era. It so sure has. Um, but we've changed a lot. <laughs> so, uh, but there's a lot. To, and Robin, I want to stick on basketball because um, it is the story right now. I mean, Nebraska has one game left before you go off to New York, and we are sending Robin to Madison Square Garden uh, to cover the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, and Nebraska is in very good shape to get a double bye. But man, it's you know, I, I think I'm on the same page of a lot of people that read this stuff. The bracketologists just get you mad every time you read their stuff because they just only look at computer metrics and numbers. They don't look at the eye test. Most of these people have never watched Nebraska probably play because they're only on Big Ten Network. They've not been on ESPN. They have not been on CBS the entire conference season. And you just want to punch Jerry Palm and Joel Lenardi <laughs> in the face because these guys just constantly say RPI, RPI, RPI. Um, what is your read kind of on on this right now?
3: Well, as far as what Nebraska needs to do, um, it's pretty clear in my opinion. They obviously have to beat Penn State on Sunday. That goes without saying. And then probably, actually, more than likely, you got to beat uh, whoever you face, more than likely Michigan, in that first round You do game. that, you're probably in. Yeah, I think you're a lock. If you beat Michigan twice in the season, that would give you two Quadrant 1 wins, which would kind of eliminate that whole argument against Nebraska. There. 14 conference wins. They haven't beaten anybody. Yeah, and so the the record would be, what, 20, 24 wins, 14 conference wins. And so, uh, I mean, that, that is... 23, aren't they? 23, at yeah, yeah. yeah, right, 23. So uh, I think that would take care of a lot, um, but if they were to lose that Michigan game, assuming that's who they play, uh, then you're looking at a really uh, difficult situation for Nebraska to get in, just because, um, as much as we don't like to accept it, there there is the fact that their resume just isn't that good.
1: When, when do they go into full lobby mode? Does Tim Miles get there eventually after Sunday? Um, if they beat Penn State on what we think is going to be another spectacular atmosphere No Sit Sunday part 2 um, will he go into kind of full lobby this is an NCAA tournament team mode
3: I think you have to wait until you actually get another you know quality win on your schedule and so if they go and you know beat Michigan and then lose to Michigan State you know, at the Big 10 tournament they're going to have a whole week, essentially, before Selection Sunday. So I think that is when you kind of make your campaign and say, you, you can, Tim can call up all those national writers, Jeff Goodman, um, John Rostein all those guys, and say, look, you know, th- th- this is where what our team actually is. It goes beyond what you see on the team sheet that the NCAA puts out every day. Uh, I, mean, I mean, this this is a good team. They've won all the games that they're supposed to win, Sands, Illinois. And you know, uh, that if you actually watch them, they're much better than what their resume on paper Shows and so I think that's when you start to see uh, them getting on the soapbox and really kind of banging the drum that um, you know you need to look beyond just the analytics and uh, the numbers that you see on paper.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We've got a full show on tap here. Nate was in Orlando. He covered uh, the Rivals Camp Series event with Greg Peterson over the weekend. So uh, we are going to talk about that at the end of our show. Uh, we are also still on the in-state tour. I was uh, around central Nebraska this week. Uh, we caught up with a few more coaches. We thought it was fun last week. We brought you Mike Huffman from Bellevue West um, and Larry Martin from Omaha North. I talked with Brandon Cool, the head coach of Kearney. I know we are picked up on Kearney here on Friday afternoons um, on ESPN Radio and Kearney in Kearney and Grand Island. And you'll hear from Coach Cool here uh, today on the show, as well as former Husker and now current Omaha Creighton prep head coach, Tim Yonk, so uh, lots to talk about, and Robin and I will discuss Nebraska-Penn State, No-Sit Sunday Part 2, and kind of everything going into that game. Uh, We'll do that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
2: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I mean, like
1: you said, it's it's a must win. Can't lose anymore. Because if we want to go where we want to go, which is to the tournament, I mean, we got to build our resume. So we got another big game on Sunday. This, today was a big game for us to win, and then we got to make some noise in the tournament too. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin at the segment of the show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Get on into Tanner's on Sunday, any one of the five Omaha locations. Two in Lincoln, Nebraska. Basketball No Sit Sunday Part Two against Penn State. It's a four fifteen game, uh, perfect place to get some wings, get some beer, watch Nebraska versus Penn State as the Huskers try to close out with thirteen conference wins. And we bring in Robin Washit here to continue that discussion on Nebraska basketball. Um, here we are. It's February, um, you know, twenty eighth on Sunday. And Nebraska's going to be done with the regular season, Robin. I believe this is the quickest or earliest regular season ending in history as Nebraska then will go out to New York. Um, But they got to take care of business here first. This is going to be uh, a massive game just to close out and pad that resume as much as possible.
3: Yeah, it's a must win in every, every stretch of the word. Uh, you know, they, they, If they lose this game, they're essentially going to have to win the Big Ten tournament to make the NCAA tournament. So um, there's zero room for error. That Illinois game erased um, any leeway they might have um, you know, by adding their first and only bad loss of the season at the worst possible time. So uh, they went into the Indiana game in the same situation, and now here they are to close out the regular season against Penn State, um, ab- absolutely having to win. And you know, the good news is it's a Sunday afternoon tip. Um, the crowd should be electric. It's already it's been sold out for you know two weeks now um yeah and you know Penn State you know on, the, on their end of it they're coming off a tough loss to Michigan that if they would have won that game um, this would have been an absolutely huge game for them now they're in the situation where this game doesn't really change much uh, they got to you know, win the big yeah, Head tournament they're they're going to have to make a run if if not win it then they're going to probably have to get um you know to the semifinals at at very least so uh you know it's it, it, things have changed a little bit as far as the dynamic is concerned you know obviously not much has changed for Nebraska they have to win but Penn State you know this this game doesn't do a whole lot for them and they just had an emotionally taxing loss uh, and maybe most important of all, Mike Watkins their potential all-conference center um, who's one of the best shot blockers in the conference uh injured his knee in the first half of that Michigan game and only played a handful of minutes in the second half uh, and really didn't look like himself so that's something um, that you know everybody's going to be monitoring over the next few days uh and to kind of see where he is because if he's not in the middle that changes a lot for Penn State so there's a lot of varying circumstances from Penn State's end you know how amped up are they going to be for this game you know to go on the road. you know, after you know a couple days uh, removed from a pretty significant loss, without one of their best players against a Nebraska team that is playing for everything on their home floor, where they've only lost one game uh, in a absolutely crucial must-win situation.
1: You know the Illinois game is all anyone will probably talk about this month, but you know if they beat Penn State, Rob, and this is a five and one February, and and that's not easy to do in the conference play. And it, it's just so frustrating. We talked about this in the last segment um, that no matter what Nebraska does their RPI is just deadlocked. And it'd be interesting if you could just pull out those two or three just eaters or weights that drag down the RPI, Mm -hmm. where their RPI would actually be if you took away, like, the two or three games on there, the wins, might might I add, that are kind of keeping that number down.
3: Yeah, if they just didn't play Delaware State. Or Stetson, they'd be up ten or spots. Marist, probably. yeah, I mean, then we're talking about a no-brainer situation right now. And you talk about uh, the winds Nebraska doesn't have. Uh, it's actually some of the winds they do have that are hurting them just as much. And so, I mean, that's kind of the 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 negative side to scheduling the way that they did this year. And, you know, you look back to last season, they didn't have those types of games. I mean, uh, outside of maybe one or two, they scheduled extremely difficult. And if Nebraska had won with that schedule, um, you know, they, they would be a no brainer, but you know that they took a, a little bit easier path, especially to close out the month of December. And it's costing them right now.
1: I mean, it was kind of a path that we've talked about this to, to save your job, I mean, yeah. to get some wins, get to an, at least at NIT um, they went 9-4 and four in the non-con, which we thought they had to do um, to get to that, you know, just to kind of get the season where they want. But nobody in their right mind, Robin, saw a potential 13-5 nope. and five record. And, you know, it's easy now to throw stones at it, but they were coaching for their job. I mean, yeah, the NCAA tournament was a goal, but... No, nobody outside of the you know the most optimistic Nebraska basketball fans was thinking that this team would be in the NCAA tournament this year.
3: Yeah, and two, you know, it wasn't just their scheduling. I mean, a lot of it, you know, there's a big hurt or the big blow was with that central florida game and that uh, orlando advocate invitational if they beat central florida then you're playing west virginia instead of marist who right now is in the 300s in rpi uh that would do uh, immense wonders for your resume and then you know they don't play long beach state uh so i mean they added two um you know bottom feeders games onto their schedule and lost a neutral site game against Central Florida, that would have helped a lot too. So I mean, that Central Florida game might, if everybody looks at the Kansas game, that Central Florida game, I think was just as costly because not only did it hurt them for one game, it basically made them suffer for the next two after that.
1: And maybe they wouldn't have been nine and four out of non-conference at that point. Um, maybe But your game, resume looks yeah, a Yeah, you're, you're eight and five probably at that point versus nine and four. But you're right. Um, they were in the essentially the four five game in that tournament. Yeah. They lost that game, and they would have played the one seed if they won, which is West Virginia. But nonetheless, here we sit right now, and and you know I'm I'm anticipating Robin. Um, one of the best atmospheres we've seen yeah. in that arena, other than the Wisconsin No
3: Sit Sunday. Yeah, I mean, there's been talk about kind of make it No Sit Sunday Part Two, and I think that Illinois game kind of put a damper on this a little bit. And then obviously, you know, with Penn State losing to Michigan, um, their dynamics have changed it a little bit. But um, the reality is, this is the last. Home game of the year it's senior day for four husker seniors and nebraska absolutely has to win it to keep themselves in good positioning to make an ncaa tournament run so there is absolutely oh yeah and if they win they lock up a double buy in the four seed in the big 10 tournament so there is still plenty at stake for nebraska in this game and again the fact that it's a sunday afternoon people can make a whole day a weekend out of it uh, i imagine it's going to be not only a sellout crowd but a raucous environment and with nebraska playing the way they do at home and the way they feed off that home court that could ultimately be the difference in you know finishing this thing off yeah that
1: attendance number will approach 16000 by no doubt. state funding law they can't list the attendance over 16000 i don't know what the deal is some kind of deal with the funding when that arena got built on the taxes uh, the arena can't be over sixteen thousand. If you go back to No Sit Sunday Part One, yep. they announced it at like fifteen nine nine seven. Yep. And my daughter Kit, by the way, did not get her ticket scanned, so it was fifteen nine nine eight. She <laughs> uh, sat on our lap without a purchase lap tippet ticket um, uh, that year. We only had two tickets. Uh, we have four now, and we are taking the, the whole crew. So I'm I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday myself, and um, just. You know, seeing how this team finishes out, and then New York City. I mean, uh, we won't even get a chance to talk to you, Robin, now before you get a chance to go out to New York City.
3: Yeah, and so uh, that's that's kind of where Nebraska's season will be defined. You know, assuming they take care of business against Penn State, um, and assuming Michigan wins in their quarterfinal game or whatever the the first round game uh, to get into the to the quarterfinals, um, that's going to be you know the game that the is essentially a play in game for Nebraska. Michigan
1: it'll probably be Michigan versus Wisconsin if Nebraska wins, right? Uh, maybe Northwestern. I don't know the tiebreaker there, but uh the 512 game looks to be either Northwestern and Wisconsin versus Michigan.
3: Okay. So theoretically Michigan wins that game and so you're setting up a, a play-in game for Nebraska. If they win, like we talked about earlier, they are in in my opinion. If they lose, you're leaving a whole lot up to chance and you know if you're having another quadrant 1 loss and you know it's only going to, you know, continue to hurt Nebraska's case, which is already pretty slim to begin with.
1: And how about Iowa? They're dead last right now in the Big Ten, Three and 3-14, 12-18. That's got to be the worst season Iowa's had in, in 20 years. I it, can't...
3: It's miserable. It's absolutely – and they're too good to be that bad. I mean, their their offense is really a... Tyler Cook is one of the best bigs in the conference. Jordan Bohannon, um, you know, was coming off an electric freshman year. Uh, and for whatever reason, I know they've had some injuries, but they are just a disaster. <laughs> they were down 20, what, 22 to two at one point against Minnesota the other night. I mean, it was just, they're a total mess. They can't play defense. They do score a lot, but that's because they give up a lot of points on the other end. And so Fran uh, is having a disaster of the year. And the one thing keeping them afloat is that he's got his kids coming, and they're hoping for a uh, maybe a McDermott-type situation. Yeah,
1: McCaffrey is just such a hard guy to like. He just comes off almost like a Pellini type character where, You know, you don't feel that bad for him right now because you've seen this guy just be a jerk for several years in a row. And um, it'll be interesting to see kind of where it turns. But you you read the comments on our HawkeyeReport.com board, and I think their fans are just stunned that Nebraska's having the season they're having. And then Iowa, obviously, has just fallen apart and had kind of a Nebraska-like season um, this year uh, that we've seen in Lincoln the last couple of seasons.
3: Yeah, the, the tides have turned. And, you know, it's funny because uh, obviously when you talk about Coach of the Year situation, Chris Holtman at Ohio State uh, is – Will Miles he,
1: get any votes? I,
3: I think he might. I mean, so they just put out the all-conference ballots. Uh, we submitted them this week, and you know you can vote for three guys. I voted for Tim Miles number two. Uh, I put Holtman number one, Tim Miles number two, Pat Chambers number three, uh, just because the the predictions all had Nebraska to be one of the worst teams in the conference, and here they are, one game away from earning a double. Izzo's going to get
1: some points though, too. Yeah,
3: I guess. I mean, they're, whatever. It's Michigan best, State. That's like, the best season they've ever had. That's though. like saying Nick Saban should be coach of the year. It's like, come on. Yeah, no give, doubt. Give
1: Oh, I mean, I'm just saying they're 27-30. Oh, three. I know.
3: They're, they're ridiculous. They, they're a potential NCAA tournament or champion.
1: <laughs> like, tournament team. They're yeah, the they're
3: tournament. champion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well,
1: it's going to be fun. no Sit Sunday Part 2, Nebraska-Penn State. Robin will have full coverage. When we come back, we're going to shift over to the in-state tour. We're going to hear from Omaha Creighton Prep head coach Tim Yonk, former Husker. Uh, he had some time to visit with the new staff. We'll get his thoughts on that. And then uh, we'll also hear from Carney head coach Brandon Cool here next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online
2: Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here on the In-State Tour. It's our 15th year of doing the In-State Tour here on Husker Online. And we are at Omaha Creighton Prep. And this one's a little special for me because I'm talking to one of my old coaches. And you're really not that old. I want to I get that on the record. Uh, we bring in Tim Young because you were a young guy. I mean, I was about 15 when I met you. I think you were only about 24. So uh, you started out young in the coaching ranks. I did. I was uh,
0: got it right into teaching coach right away at 23 at Gross Catholic where uh, you're an alum, you know, and uh, had a lot of great years over there, but uh, uh, yeah, I've been, this is uh, my 20, finishing my 26th year of uh, teaching and coaching, and uh, it's been an
1: unbelievable ride, it's been awesome. Well, yeah, and you came to Creighton Prep year one, I mean, this is one of those jobs, It's, it's it doesn't open up very often, and, and it's a rare opportunity to come to a place like this with the winning tradition, you finished your first year here, you took them to the semifinals, a play away from getting down to Lincoln, um, just Talk about that first year here, and, and kind of what you were able to accomplish.
0: Well, it was a really uh, a, a pretty seamless transition. Um, uh, our kids, our coaches, all really bought in. I mean. Uh, we kept about 90% of the st- current staff on board. Um, and and then right away, but the kids right away bought into everything we wanted to do, uh, from summer workouts to, uh, to in-season stuff. But you know, we really started playing well about halfway through the year. I mean, we kind of figured out, got our footing a little bit. We had a lot of new starters uh, really from the year before. And they went to the semifinals the year before. So um, really, we had a lot of new starters in a lot of places, especially on offense. Um, and uh, once we found our footing, got our traction a little bit and understood kind of the direction and the philosophy when we wanted to play, we really played outstanding football and we were really good enough to, to win the Class A championship. We just, again, ran into a really good Carney team and uh, they made a, maybe a play or two more than we did in that game that night.
1: We're joined here by former Husker fullback Tim Yonk, now the head coach of Omaha Creighton Prep. Coach, uh, talent has never been an issue at Creighton Prep. Numbers never an issue. After you've had a chance to kind of look at what you get to work with in this building, um, do, do you see a lot of kids with Division One potential that just need the development? And, and, and how excited are you to maybe try to, to work with some of these younger kids uh, over the next few years?
0: Yeah, there's no question. I mean, there's uh, you know, you you know, you're in an all boys school with uh, you know, over a a thousand boys, and um, they have tremendous tradition, which everybody knows about. Uh, But there's a lot of really good players in our program, a lot of really good young players in our program that people really don't even know about. Um, But you know, being me being in coaching and playing in Division One football, it's I think I think I've been able to identify over the years the kids that have been able to play at that level, at the highest level in, in college football, and. And uh, we have a, a number of those kids, and now we just got to continue to get them in the weight room and continue to get them stronger and get them better on the field. And uh, and, and I think uh, we're we're on the we're on the right path with that right now.
1: now Nebraska has been by, and, and you got a chance to meet with Eric Shenander, the new defensive coordinator, Barrett Rude, the linebackers coach, and uh, we talked about that briefly, kind of when that went down. And you've been around a lot of Nebraska staffs. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of staff since your staff uh, because. They haven't had much success um, over the last 15 years as far as consistency goes. What were your impressions of Barrett Root, Eric Shenander, and kind of Coach Frost and and what they're doing there right now?
0: Well, there's no question that they're they're coming in with a a new focus and a new energy that maybe hasn't been around there a little bit. And, you know, what I love about it is, you know – Coach Frost hadn't been on the job very long. And um, I was at the Nebraska Creighton basketball game. And he calls me out of the blue on my cell phone. And, and we talked for about 20 or 25 minutes that particular day about just different things. you know, And um, it was nice for somebody to reach out to me as a head coach, but as a former player as well. Um, and, and at that point, you kind of had a feeling that things were definitely going to go in the right direction just because of the work that he was already doing um, in just a few short days. Um, and then Coach Shenander and Coach Came in here and and you know kind of on their uh, their tour of, of Omaha and the Omaha schools and um, again you know just their their uh, their their openness to listen to you about the kids that you had and other kids in the state you know and then obviously the walk on program is something that they've rejuvenated already I mean you can see the excitement around that which which is you know is special to me because I was one of those walk ons in 1987. And for, uh, for a lot of kids, you know, whether they're a scholarship kid or a walk-on kid, to be able to play in that program um, is something that really means a lot to the kids in this state, and that needs to ramp up again. And I think they're on the right path of doing doing that for sure.
1: When you were offered, a, I think I read this once. You were offered by the University of Miami in Florida. Is that right?
0: This dude pops I'll I'll that in one. baseball, actually in baseball. In baseball. But yeah.
1: you were offered scholarships for Division One in football, and you mm-hmm. still chose to walk on, yeah. coming off a state championship in '86 86 at Skyler. At
0: Skyler, yep, 1986 at Skyler, we won a state championship, and uh, and so yeah, I had I had opportunities to go out of the state but my heart you know I was a Husker always wanted to be a Husker and again it's it's great to see a lot of kids nowadays with at least in this walk-on class with that same desire and passion because there's a lot of those kids that are going to end up being really good players for them
1: you, you watch a lot of kids leave Nebraska now that don't get that opportunity to go to Nebraska. Is there one over the years in your years of high school coaching, you're like, man, how did we let this guy go? Do you have a couple of kids in your 20-plus years of coaching that you're like, man, Nebraska could have really used that guy, and, and they weren't able, they weren't able to get him?
0: Yeah, no, I mean you could look across the state of Nebraska of all the guys that have left like you said that um you know, I mean hell there was one of my own hometown in uh in Schuyler uh Cal. Kyle Manuel. I mean, he was I mean, there's a guy that's playing in the NFL who who uh they've missed on. I mean, and, and and there's it's endless. I mean, there's kids out of the metro and 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 it's just uh it's unfortunate. And again, um it's a matter of a philosophy and it's a matter of understanding Nebraska and its culture. And if if Scott Frost can't do it because he's, you know, a a native son with – Uh, all kinds of history in this school then uh, it'll be tough for anybody but he's definitely on the right path.
1: And that's something that that's hard to tell a new guy the culture of the state and, and just the the nooks and the crannies and all the small little things that end up adding up to a lot of big things as far as the the grand scheme of things in the state of Nebraska.
0: Yeah I mean it's it's different than any place else I mean and you you hear people say that all the time that this is a such a unique place in terms of College football and the fan base, and it, it just—it doesn't happen like this everywhere. I think people in Nebraska sometimes think it happens everywhere, but it—it it, it does not. And um, you know, you got to have the right staff and to be able to bring all these guys with him from from UCF. Um, and who have bought into his philosophy, I think that speaks volumes for uh, maybe the direction this program
1: is going to go. Again, you ever talk to Coach Osborne much anymore?
0: I ran into him at uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, Outland Trophy dinner, and so I run into him at a couple of functions every once in a while. And uh, you know, the one thing he always asks me um, is is if I'm running fullback plays. And I always tell him, yeah, Coach, I'm still running fullback <laughs> plays. So it's kind of fun to see him. You
1: kind of, I mean, you have offense and defensive background. So I mean, do you, what do you at prep in year one? Were you more what? What, were you involved more on one side of the ball over the other?
0: Well, I mean, we, we probably more offensively, but uh, I mean, schematically on the defensive side, we they were doing some of the similar things that I, I've i done in the past anyway. So uh, we just tweaked a few things on both sides of the ball, but a little more influence on the offensive side. I'm coaching specifically the offens- the running backs on the offensive side of the ball here at prep, and then uh, obviously working with TJ Fife, our offensive coordinator.
1: Well, Coach, it was great to come down here. Uh, thanks for having us at prep. I'm sure we're going to see you now down at Lincoln more at Pratt. Practices and, and yeah. things here with Coach Frost.
0: No, it's uh, it's exciting. We appreciate you guys coming out and covering us, and uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get Creighton Prep back in the state championship.
1: All right, we're looking forward to it, Coach. Thanks a lot. Uh, much more to come here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
2: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan. I'm on the in tour on the road, and we find ourselves now out in Kearney. Home of the Class A runner-ups here, the Kearney Bearcats. uh, As we're joined by our friend Brandon Cool and Coach, I think it was years ago the first time I met you. um, You had a linebacker here, great, some great players, and your team ended up winning the state. Come out again, you guys got right back to Lincoln. I mean, just what was the year like for you guys? First of all, to, to get all the way down to Lincoln,
5: definitely a special, special opportunity for our kids and our program. Uh, Going into the season, we had a lot of question marks. We had two starters back um, from uh, the previous uh, uh, season. And any time you had to kind of regroup a little bit, bring the JV guys up or the sophomore guys up, and then got off to a fairly slow start. As the season went on, we got better and better and better. And then uh, to get a great draw in the uh, football playoffs with the number one seed and then almost get an opportunity to run the table with the with the exception of one minute left in that state final game. I take my hat off to our kids and our coaching staff that uh, uh, got tremendous assistant coaches and tremendous kids. And this is one of those things we had tremendous leadership and worked extremely hard, and uh, we had an outstanding football season.
1: Yeah, I talked to a lot of your guys here uh, before we talked. and. they said one of the things about being at Kearney is you got to have a little chip on your shoulder at times because I apologize to our listeners right now in Omaha and Lincoln but I think in the class A scene people kind of look at you guys as the outlier but uh, you guys do things differently than a lot of class A programs you develop you coach you teach I mean what are some of the uh, things that you really preach here to to build the program like you have
5: well I think uh, there's a lot of aspects uh, in in order for us to be successful here at Kearney High School first thing I think we hit on is multi-sport kids Uh, you look at I just went Back uh, last week, and analyzed our starting uh, offense and defense. Those 22 positions, 16 out of 22 of those guys run track or participate in track during the spring. Which I'm also an assistant track coach. And then we had two or three other guys that are involved with uh, uh, the soccer part of things. And then you throw in basketball and you throw in wrestling. You know, we have a lot of kids that are two sport. We have a lot of three sport athletes. And in order for us to survive, we're going to have to continue to do that. Uh, Work ethic wise. Uh, These guys know they have to prepare in the weight room, do speed and agility. They have to do all the things that uh, develop you as an individual athlete. And then we just got great kids to teach and great kids to coach. And uh, when the lights turn on on Friday night, or maybe at the state wrestling tournament or the state track meet, uh, we just we just want our kids to come out and compete at the highest highest level they possibly can. And we just it's not a not a better group of young men to be around than what we have right now at Carney High School.
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting you talk about the teams multi-sport stuff because a lot of schools in Class A. especially you kind of see the basketball coach and the football coach. They're probably not friends because they're fighting over some of the same kids to, um, and, and the demand is high, but, I mean, perfect example, you guys had arguably the best basketball player in the state, Cannon Costner, and he was your quarterback um, that that helped take you. Um, you. You just don't see that um, very often, do you, in Class A schools?
5: That's the nice thing about the head coaches here at Carney High School. I think we're all on the same page. We still want to take care of football guys, and Coach Bronick wants to take care of basketball guys, and Ty Swarm wants to take care of wrestlers. But at the end of the day, uh, in order for us to be successful in all sports, we've got to share those athletes. So a guy like Cannon, uh, you know, Lee Harrington just won the state uh, uh, class A heavyweight uh, championship last week at the wrestling uh, state wrestling tournament you know it's just guys like that that bring these young kids along to improve athletically uh, socially uh, emotionally and so it's one of those things where we just want to continue to get better and, and work together as a cohesive group. We're joined
1: by Brandon Cole here on the Husker Online Show head coach here at Kearney High. Uh, coach the guy that really I think is catching a lot of attention early is Miko a sophomore for you right now two more years to go um, he's going to run sub 11 in the 100, but very interesting story, um, how he even got to Carney with his dad's background, uh, his dad obviously a former professional soccer player.
5: Yeah, no, Miko Miko's a tremendous uh, uh, asset for us, and the nice thing about it, he's got sophomore still behind his name, and so uh, we get an opportunity to work with him here for the next couple years. Uh, he came into our football program as being a quarterback and uh, being kind of a defensive end. And uh, as we kind of worked through the first two games of the season, we knew he was a good enough athlete. We thought about playing him on defense a lot um, as the season was going to progress. But uh, offensively, we said, hey, Miko, you got to start working into the I back spot a little bit. So he moved to the I back position about week three and week four. And anytime he's athletic, you're athletic like that, and you have good foot speed, uh, we got to get you on the field in a hurry. Uh, defensively, he played some defensive end. He played some outside linebacker. Uh, in the last couple of weeks of the season, we kind of got banged up in the secondary. So he played some safety and some corner. He played a lot of corner for us in the state final game. Uh, so he's he's been in all different uh, spots from a defensive perspective. And for being a sophomore, he's got a good IQ. And he just continued to get better and better and better as the year went on. And there's no doubt about it. Uh, anytime you have um, you know the speed and the size like he does, he's going to get looked at from a lot of big schools here uh, for sure in the Midwest.
1: Yeah, I think the play I, I, it sticks out to me doing the sidelines in your championship game. Uh, Milton Sarball, who might have been the fastest player in the state this year, um, you know, Miko outran the angle and and saved seven points. I mean. If I'm a college coach, that's that's the kind of play that they're looking at probably more than even a touchdown run.
5: Yeah, it sure it sure surprised the kid from Omaha North. Uh, it's one of those first play of the game, and uh, they ran him off, the, ran the running back off tackle, and then he cut back, and he was in the open field, and I guarantee he scored every single time this fall. And then all of a sudden, Miko came out of nowhere and knocked the snot out of him uh, out, out of bounds, and that kind of set the tone. That was kind of a even though they made a lot of yards on that single play, it kind of set the tone that uh, hey, we're in it to to. to battle here and so uh, without without a doubt Miko's going people are gonna see that on film Miko's gonna get recruited from uh, his hustle and his foot speed and um, anytime you have that type of kid uh, uh, playing at that high of level uh, he's gonna get recognized throughout the state
1: and one of your best guys Isaiah Stahlberg, um is, is walking on to Nebraska um, strikes me as a guy that Nebraska is getting as a steal I mean one of your best if not your best all-around guy the guy that you asked to take on a big role and, and they're getting him what, what what's he gonna bring to Nebraska
5: you know, Isaiah has got a lot of upside to him. Um, he hardly had an opportunity to play as a junior. He was a backup role on defense. Uh, you know, he's in a backup role at the receiver position. He played a little bit of some special teams force. Um, you know, just didn't play a lot. I think he was kind of even a, even a B team player as a as a as a freshman. He just didn't understand the game of football. And then all of a sudden, it clicked about week two his senior year he's going to get bigger, he's going to get faster, he's going to get stronger. And so I think Nebraska really got themselves a gold mine. Obviously, he's got to be able to stay healthy. And uh, But uh, if he's willing to continue to improve on all aspects of him, Uh, of himself uh, athletically and uh, academically Uh, i think nebraska got themselves a steal here in the state of nebraska
1: and and sticking on the topic of nebraska you're a nebraska guy i mean what what are your thoughts of of this change uh with coach frost and and kind of just you know everywhere i go around the state you you just kind of feel the excitement and i'm sure it's no different here around Kearney.
5: No, you're exactly right. Uh, even our students in our classrooms or in our hallways, they're they're tickled to death to get Scott Frost and his staff back uh, uh, into into Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, brings tremendous energy. Those guys are going to be terrific. They're going to hit the state real hard on whether it's scholarship guys or for sure walk on the walk on program. They're going to really build that. Uh, but there's nothing better than having kind of a homegrown guy running the show down there for the Huskers, and and we're going to do whatever we can to support those guys. So we wish them the best of luck. Uh, Obviously the, 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 the newness will eventually wear off and, and they still got to come out and they're going to get their kids in a position to be successful. I'm anxious to see this coaching staff go to work.
1: And speaking of newness, this is my first time in the new building here at Carney High. My, my wife – uh, went to school here. Her mother, mother taught here for a number of years. Um, I know a number of people have tried to get you to leave Carney for some other Class A jobs. Now that I've seen this new building, um, I know why Brandon Cool um, is loving this job. I'll let you brag a little bit about the new facilities here.
5: Well, there's nothing better than be a teacher and coach at Kearney High School. Number one, and then for us to come into a brand new facility like this, and like I tell uh, you know, from a professional standpoint like I tell a lot of people around here this is a fantastic facility if you built your own house uh, there's about 95 percent of it that you would really like and there's five percent that we're still trying to make adjustments on because we're only year two in and but uh, from a a weight room out to the locker room and you know our football facility is about five steps away from our locker room we got a brand new track turf facility our classrooms are, are top of the line Uh, so it's one of those things where we feel like we got it going here in Kearney High School and as long as we keep the 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 tremendous uh, student body the rowdies uh, our our student body going in the right direction uh, this is a special place to be.
1: And You'll play your games here eventually I I know there's some Contracts and political things that have to get, but there's a stadium here to play games.
5: Um, that's yet to be determined. Uh, they're going to have to make a decision. I believe we have six more years, if I if I remember right, down at Foster Field. And I would assume the school board and the community will they'll start uh, uh, analyzing that here in the next two or three years. But um, yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You got to remember that uh, all the kids in our program, they have watched Carney High School. Play on Foster Field, and those kids have always wanted to play down there, and, and that's a great environment, great environment for high school football to play uh, on UNK's campus. And so we're going to have to make some some decisions. There's some financial decisions that we got to make, some decisions on, and then obviously we're going to have to build on. We will have to build on the stadium uh, on the east side if we ever if ever if we ever decide to uh, to play down Probably
1: here. Probably about so. only two thousand seats there now. Or
5: so. Yeah, I think uh, it's right at 24, 2,500 I believe, on the one side. But if you if you're going to get a, a Grand Island Carn. Game going, you're, you're going to have to have a lot of seating and stuff.
1: more semifinal games against Creighton Prep, right?
5: We we could handle that uh, anytime. We can bring uh, um, you know uh, have a home opportunity for first round, second round, or even the semifinals. We feel that that's going to be a huge advantage for us. Well,
1: Coach, thanks for having us out here. It's great to spend some time here and, and checking out the new facilities as well at Carney High.
5: Yeah, thank you for your coverage. All right,
1: much more to come here on the Husker Online Show. You're
5: listening to the
2: Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus, as you just heard from Brandon Cool and Tim Yonk here uh, on our in-state tour, and we're, we're going to continue the in-state tour um, here this week and next week, um, as we've got a little extra time this year, because spring practice won't start on March 2nd, so it gives us a couple extra breathing days, Nate, as um, that was always kind of a gun to our head to... You know, get all the schools we wanted to see done. Get our spring previews done. Finish basketball season. Oh, by the way, start baseball coverage and then begin practice on March second or whatever. But Nebraska will. Begin spring practice this year uh, more uh, towards the end of March, which will be nice.
4: Yeah, it'll definitely be nice to kind of space things out. I mean, uh, it always felt like you you just finished up signing day, and all of a sudden spring practice was getting, a month later. Yeah, getting ready to, to get started. So, uh, it it is kind of nice to have a little bit of a more of a break in there to where we can. Um, you know, take our time and not be quite as rushed with the in-state tour.
1: When you think about the coaches, uh, they were able to take—I um, believe—the defensive staff was off this week, mm-hmm. and the offensive staff was off last week. If they were starting spring ball March second, there's no way they could have done that. So, I think these coaches obviously they needed that break yeah, after no what they just went through.
4: Yeah, they they definitely needed that break. I mean, in if not just a break for themselves, but to, for their families to kind of get settled in and you know and do everything else that comes along with uh, changing jobs and. Moving halfway across the country, uh, you know, there's a lot of loose ends that have to be tied up. That I think a lot of people probably don't, you know, always think of right off the bat. But um, you know, I think that was that that break for this staff was was definitely
1: needed. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show on Callahan and Nate Klaus as we talk Nebraska recruiting. Nate, and, and and unfortunately for you, you're not getting much of a break right now. You were um, on the in tour all last week and this week. Uh, But you were in Orlando on the weekend. Um, You and Greg Peterson went down, covered the uh, three-stripe camp, put on by Rivals – um, down in Orlando, about 200 Division One prospects in attendance, uh, anywhere from 10 to 15 guys down there, Nate, with Nebraska offers. What were some of your big takeaways from Orlando?
4: Well, you know, first of all, anytime you go to Florida, the the talent level down there is just pretty amazing, and um, and obviously with with rivals camps, I mean, it's, it's a pretty select group of kids that get invited. Essentially, you have to have an offer to your name already to even uh, be considered. To To uh, participate in the camp, so you know that the talent is going to be good. Uh, You know, one thing that really stood out to me about this camp, though, was that uh, all the position groups were talented. Usually, you know, you'll have a a wide receiver group and and maybe a defensive back group that were really head and shoulders above maybe the offensive line and defensive line. But each position group at this camp was was really really talented. I think a well balanced camp. Uh, But from a Nebraska perspective, the thing that really stood out to me is just how how you know hot of a name nebraska is in that area especially you know in orlando with with central florida kind of being right there in, in that backyard uh scott frost's name and, and the, that coaching staff's name that was at central florida last year um i mean is is really a, kind of a hot topic still and, and kids are talking about nebraska they're talking about coach frost uh, i had an opportunity to talk with uh, a handful of high school coaches and a couple scouts that are that work in that area and, and uh, i mean they just sang the praises of of Coach Frost, and, and said how, you know, basically said the most important recruit that Nebraska got this past year was Scott Frost heading back home, and, and how that uh, Nebraska fans are going to be extremely surprised with how quickly he's going to turn this thing around in Lincoln. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's what really stu- stuck with me is, is you know, how high the kids are on Nebraska and Coach Frost, and then obviously uh, what the high school coaches think of Frost and his staff.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we talk uh, Nebraska recruiting. Nate and um, you know we did also learn this past week Nebraska is going to hold their first Junior Day Saturday, April 7th, and I think a little bit later um, than a lot of fans or the diehards thought, but. I think history tells you, Nate, the early junior day at Nebraska, sure, you get a few kids there, but the, the true junior day is the April 21st red-white game. Uh, hopefully you can get a few guys here on this April 7th deal and, and get a, maybe a couple you know, guys that are that more interested in Nebraska. But uh, your thoughts on uh, kind of maybe having a later junior day than what we've seen in the past.
4: Yeah, I was a little surprised by it. I figured that we'd probably see – um, multiple junior days, maybe an earlier one and then a later one. Uh, I always was kind of, you know, I always kind of felt like you, you needed to have a couple different opportunities uh, because kids' schedules these days are, are so crazy. Um, and, you know, when you factor in other sports and school obligations, plus, you know, every other team across the country is putting on junior days too, and, and a lot of the top prospects are getting invited to multiple junior days uh, every weekend from here until the end of April. So, um, you know, there's I think that it's usually wise to have a couple different opportunities for kids to get on campus, and for this this year, it's going to be April seventh for the junior day, and then obviously for the spring game. But uh, but then when you when you step back and look at everything that that this coaching staff has to kind of accomplish and and bunch Of loose ends that need to be tied up heading into to spring practice, you know, I think it makes it makes sense. Uh, It's understandable. Um, and, and I think that you know, having, having the April 7th date will be good uh, because you know, you, you'll be able to get some kids locked in for that date that maybe couldn't make it to the spring game, uh, and they'll be able to, to kind of take in a you know, practice and everything and, and kind of at least get a feel for, for the atmosphere and for what the program's like, get to know the coaching staff a little bit better, uh, and really what you hope for is that you, know, you have a handful of top prospects that, that go to the April 7th date and come back to the spring game.
1: It should be interesting just to kind of see how that plays out. And um, just looking at the national spring games in general, I know April 21st is going to be probably the prime day for all spring games around the country. But I think for Nebraska, Nate, what they're going to have going for them is is they can sell that this will be a sellout. The atmosphere, um, the eleven a.m. thing might hurt a little bit, but I think in general they've got a lot on the table to get kids in Lincoln.
4: Absolutely, they do, and that's one thing. Uh, even from talking with the kids in Orlando this past weekend, um, that's one kid or one thing that, that a lot of the recruits are mentioning is that how they're fully aware that Nebraska fans sold out the spring game in, in essentially a day and a half. And uh, and they're blown away by that, and and they've heard about you know the, the what the tickets are going for on on the second uh, secondary the market. That's that, there's definitely a buzz around uh, you know around the spring game and and everything that's kind of taking place in Nebraska, and and I think a lot of kids want to experience that because it's pretty unique across the college landscape right now. Yeah, I'm
1: looking at the spring game schedules. Uh, April 14th, which by the way is ACT Saturday. Um, just when you're looking at regional spring games, Indiana's going to have one that day. Minnesota, Missouri, um, Ohio State is going to be on the 14th, so um, that that knocks them out of um, you know Nebraska's area for having the spring game. Iowa State, Oklahoma's on the 14th, Clemson's on the 14th, Florida's on the 14th, Stanford, A um, and M, Florida State, Texas Tech, Boise State, uh, Michigan. So Michigan and Ohio State both are on the yeah, 14th. Meanwhile, on the 21st, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, Wyoming, Oregon, LSU, Texas, Baylor. Let's see, you got Kansas State on that day as well, Penn State. Um, So, just looking at this, the reason why Nebraska must have had to move their game to 11 a.m. is because Penn State's probably going to be the 1 p.m. spring game or the 2 p.m. game. Um, but because really, in the Big Ten, it's just Nebraska and Penn State on the 21st. So, um, you know, 21st won't be near as bad. And then you've only got a couple on the 28th. Um, you know, nobody in the Big Ten will play on the 28th. Kansas, Oklahoma State's going later this year. They're on the 28th. Oregon State, Mike Riley and his guys um, there uh, on the 28th. California, Nevada, Virginia. Usually Michigan State's always one of the later ones. This year, they're going to go on the 21st. So... Um, I think having it on the 21st, Nate, will be good for Nebraska because there isn't a lot of regional competition that day um, that, that's going to really compete to get kids here.
4: Yeah, n- not going up against uh, you know some some schools that are in the backyard of, of certain areas that you're trying to create a presence in is, is definitely a positive. And then, obviously, not having it on the same weekend as the ACT testing date is, is a big deal because we've seen that before, and that definitely affects the attendance when, you know, because this is the time of year when when a lot of juniors heading into their senior season are taking that ACT test. Um, They have to have taken the ACT before they can take any type of official visit in the fall. Um, And and so, you know, a lot of times if that testing date falls on the spring game, uh, they're they're unable to make it because they're locked in to take the test. Well,
1: it's going to be a a fun thing to follow here over the next few weeks is to kind of see what type of visitors come in. We're expecting um, a record type of number. So, Uh, Lots to keep tabs on, Nebraska basketball as well this weekend, and then baseball, they're in the Pac-12 Big Ten Challenge, and uh, we'll have complete coverage of that as well.
2: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.